there's so many aspects to magic that I want to explore and whether that continues to be just being a high-level tournament grinder versus approaching it in other ways that let me manage my time differently. I have this recognition from doing well in tournaments and that is really inspiring, but I no longer feel like that's a central motivator for me. I feel like I'm just going to use that platform to explore these other ideas that have been floating in my head. When you get to a certain point, you're no longer trying to make the best play on the board every turn. You have to be able to ask yourself a question. Like, if this happens, uh, if my opponent makes their best play next turn, and I make this follow-up, then what happens? Being able to ask yourself these questions is something that, you know, I've spent a lot of time training for myself, also helping others work through that. Like, when you're in-game, you don't know what's important. Understanding how to ask yourself a question to figure out what to prioritize is something that I, I would say I pride myself in adjusting to and, and improving at. That's super yep. important. Welcome to Humans of Magic. My guest this week is Nathan Stoyer, reigning Magic World Champion. Nathan is turning 21 years old this year, but has a magic resume that many of us could only dream of. So, how did he do it? That's what we're here to find out. Nathan tells us how he made the leap, breaking the glass ceiling from Magic Grinder to Magic World Champ. We also chat about translating magic skills to other disciplines and some of the influences that have profoundly changed his life trajectory. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this Level Up conversation with Nathan Stoyer. All right, today on Humans of Magic, I am here with Nathan Stoyer. Nathan, how are you? I'm good. I'm excited to do our podcast together, and thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. It's must be a little challenging for you today because I think you just played a, a whole day of Magic Online. Is that right? Yes. I played a Magic Online sealed PTQ starting at 7 this morning. But luckily, I was able to meet you later in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So how often do you still play Magic Online? Is it just all the time? Are you always trying to qualify for certain things? or? So... Uh, in general, I've been toning down how much I play outside of testing. Um, but the one thing that I really do enjoy doing is trying to qualify for these uh, MOFs on Magic Online, which is just their uh, three times a year uh, sort of high-level showcase tournament. And so I played this tournament because it was the first uh, qualifier of the season, and really I'm interested in playing in it for the uh, qualifier points that you get for making top eight. So I reached my goal by um, making top eight today and losing. I just wanted to get some points and get an early lead uh, at the start of the season. Oh, well, congrats on the top eight. It sounds like you <laughs> made a, quite a deep run today, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have a decent seal pool? Like, did how, did how did things go overall? Like, were there any particular interesting highlights or anything? Yeah. So my pool was quite strong um, in this format um, in Brothers War Limited. One thing I've noticed that I think my deck did quite well is I had a really good plan for the late game. Uh, I had this portal of Phyrexia card, which carried me in a lot of my games, and that artifact made the opponent kind of have a hard time in any late game situation um, where I drew it. And um, I ended up having to fight back. I thought my pool was quite strong, but I lost round two. It was pretty early in the morning. I figured if I take another loss, I'll hit the gym and and um, <laughs> stop playing Magic for, for the rest of the day. But I just kept on winning, and I had some really close matches in round like six through nine, and, um, and then I lost the quarterfinals, and I was quite happy with that. 
Are you generally pretty good at hitting an early loss and then kind of mentally bouncing back from it? Are you basically unfazed at this point or? Yeah. I mean, I would say one thing that keeps my head in the game is like knowing that there's that the difference between like one loss and two losses is the tournament. That's fine. But when I sign up for it, I'm just, I'm not even thinking about when I take my losses, really. I'm, I'm trying to think about, uh, specifically, you know, if, if I can survive. And um, that's kind of the name of, game, name of the game in these tournaments. You just have to be willing to stick it out. You know, sometimes you lose round one of the event and you don't want to play anymore, and that's fine. But I try my best to bounce back because I've had a lot of runs that have been successful after losing the first round. And so my track record has indicated that I should probably try my best even when I'm in a not-so-great yeah. situation early on. Yeah, for sure. And one thing I do know from playing a little bit of Magic Online is that, like, you always run into some great players. I, I think that's also, like, the real excitement of, like, mocks or qualifying or even playing, like, challenges for a certain format is that, like, you're always running into, I would say, like, probably the best of the best, right? I mean, you're definitely one of the best of the best, but it's like you also get reps against a lot of top competition and the same, the same grinders are the same names, right? Maybe not, like always like pt echelon but like you're always running into some pretty solid players all around right right i mean the average level of competition is is quite high and so for me at least early rounds of an event maybe sometimes you don't play against the strongest players but pretty consistently i would say you play against you know if, if i played nine rounds in the swiss of the tournament i would say five out of the nine opponents were definitely good adversaries and put up a fight that was um that was difficult. So I, I always like playing the magical line events just because I feel like it's good practice. Yeah. And you mentioned getting into the top eight today and you did get some points, but when you get into the top eight of a tournament, are you just like trying to win the whole thing? Are you like happy to be there? Like what's your mindset? Like when you get to that stage, my mindset is pretty close to the, the only prize that I'm trying to go for is first in a lot of tournaments. <laughs> yeah. And there are some exceptions. Um, for example, in this tournament, since I'm already qualified for the regional championship that it feeds, I am less interested in, you know, once I make the quarterfinals, I know that the stakes are a lot more significant for the opponents. And I can empathize with, you know, my opponent really wants to win this match, I assume. And so losing in the quarterfinals to me didn't really feel so bad because of that. Um, but in general, if I'm playing and there's a really uh, high stakes qualification on the line, I'm always thinking... Well, I might as well like try to get first. And so my track record in top eights has also been pretty good just trying to close out tournaments in general. And I think that's a big contrast to a lot of players who once they make top eight, maybe they don't try as hard or they, they've lost a lot of steam, but I, I don't really let myself relax until after the tournament's over. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, I, especially with paper tournaments, like there's always the opportunity to, to draw or to, or to split, I should say. Um, is is that something that you tend to avoid doing, like when it comes to uh, those opportunities? Do you want to win it all, or you, or I guess, or does it depend on the situation? Yeah, I mean, I would say in general, I'm pretty uh, willing to split if I feel like my equity is similar to the opponents. Like, uh, I treat magic as a job, and I have for like the past year or two. And so my goal is just to bring in a consistent amount of money doing so. And sometimes that works out, and other times. I end up making less than I could have otherwise, but 
I, I would say I'm pretty willing to split whenever the opportunity presents itself, um, barring lower stakes, like in a pro tour qualifier or a challenge or something else. I don't really mind playing for everything because if I lose, I don't think I'd be super disappointed or anything. Mm, okay. You have a very measured approach to, uh, to, to approaching magic as a, <laughs> as a profession, which I, I love. So we'll definitely get into, in, into more of that. Um, but one thing I just want to ask you about, uh, what do you do between rounds? Like, I know that for me, it's just like, I almost get, I do get impatient, like waiting between rounds and like waiting for something to happen, especially when a round finishes and you win or lose quickly. And it's just like, there's so much waiting, right? I guess, which is pretty typical for magic tournaments, but, um, what do you do to like pass the time? Like, do you, are you reviewing? Are you just like doing something entirely different or what is it? I try to find some ways of distracting myself. So I try to do non-magic things, I would say, in between rounds. Um, usually I'll, I'll talk with friends. So I'll, you know, message a buddy and be like, uh, do you want to talk? I just finished my round. And that's a fun thing to do if both of us are still in the tournament. And so that's a common thing where, you know, three or four people on my team or in a group are um, in the tournament. And so we'll all have a hub on Discord or somewhere else to talk and the other thing I would say is uh, I often will spend some time uh, writing uh, just my, my own thoughts. And sometimes that's correlated to magic, other times not. But I like writing and I like uh, just watching videos and trying to decompress. I mean, if you're spending all of your mental energy thinking about uh, everything in the game that just took place, I think it can come at a pretty big toll as like near the end of the tournament, it's really draining. So... Well, I do end up spending time inadvertently doing that. I've tried to minimize that and find good outlets that um, mostly just are ways to entertain myself as uh, as well as making sure that I'm rejuvenating, like drinking water, using the bathroom, the normal things you want to do between rounds. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What are some of the things that you you've been you've been writing on, like between magic rounds? I guess there's like the writing you do in yeah. general, but there's also like writing. Uh, maybe like in private, not publishing it. So like, what kinds of writing are you, are you, are you doing when you're playing magic or thinking or in between magic? Um, I mean, sometimes like when I'm writing about magic in between rounds, a lot of the material is like, um, uh, analysis of a format. Um, so like I'll take notes on like, you know, in this game, this card overperformed or underperformed and just like figuring out how cards work early on in a set is really important, particularly when you're doing something like a sealed event, like I did today. I, I took some notes in between rounds because I know in a few weeks there's going to be a Mox Open tournament. And um, I, I don't play as many games these days when it comes to, um, you know, like limited and, and drafting and, and sealed events. And so when I do have the opportunity to do so, I find that that's usually the best time to gather some more data. Um, otherwise, when I'm not writing about magic, um, in between rounds today, I was doing some reflections on the year and basically just winding down and, and writing what came to mind. I find it kind of like a, a more peaceful process than, um, than always thinking about magic the whole time when you're in a tournament. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's get into it. Like I know it's almost towards the end of the year. So this almost serves as a kind of uh 2022 retrospective. Like um, what are some of the, I mean, obviously there's magic stuff, but we can talk about the non-magic stuff too. Like what, what are some things that have really, um, like, what are some highlights for you basically? Yeah. Let me share some of the notes I was working on today, actually. Um, yeah. I, I was kind of reflecting on some of the big accomplishments I felt this year and sort of how to 
phrase that and and let that out because it's something I wanted to share for a little while. And so some of the things that fell into that category were I was really happy with creating a, a coaching setup through Medify.com and, and really feeling like I established myself in that way, um, especially on top of feeling like um, it, it's a really hard skill and being good at something like magic does not really correlate with being a good teacher. And mm-hmm. so uh, I started about uh, a year ago in last November. And then at some point in June or so, uh, Medify reached out to me uh, or vice versa. I'm pretty sure they reached out to me and um, and I started doing coaching for them. And that was really good. Um, the other things are being organized. Um for me, one of my struggles and also something that's probably a strength for me in magic is uh, I'm really good at being able to uh, accomplish whatever goals I, I set out for myself. But the hard part for me is getting that down on a page and making sure that my day-to-day things that are kind of monotonous, not necessarily super high-level stuff are taken care of. And so I think I did a quite j- good job in my eyes of utilizing note-taking apps and mm-hmm. scheduling and trying to shift from the the lack of responsibilities that I felt um, in that department doing school uh, mm. to living a more organized adult life in that way. And so that was really significant for me and something that it's still ongoing, but I feel really happy with the progress I've made and uh, hopefully I can continue to work on that. Yeah. So about the organization part, Was there a particular event or events that kind of made you feel like, hey, I need to better organize things around me? I think it was kind of a a natural progression that ramped up when I felt like my time was being stretched thinner than I wanted it to. Um, The big thing was just through writing and reflecting on my own thoughts, I felt like I I really struggled at breaking uh, my time into the chunks that I wanted it to. And so spending you know, an hour on, on six, 10 minute tasks was really difficult for me versus mm-hmm. I could focus my energy on a few tasks in a day. And that felt like no problem. And, um, shifting what that looked like in terms of at this time, I'm going to send uh, this email that I want to do. I'm going to pay this bill. I'm going to contact this person was something mm-hmm. that made me feel like I could suddenly, um, begin to take control of that. Otherwise it felt very chaotic for me. And uh, I think partially that's something that I've dealt with for a while. I, I've had some ADHD since I was younger. And so managing that and other associated effects of that has just been something that um, it, it took a lot of active effort. And um, I, I would say creating systems for myself has been the, the hardest part and also the most fulfilling when I feel like everything is working. And then staying to a routine in the same vein has felt really important to me. I've definitely had that phase in my life as well, where I felt the need to better organize my life due to anxiety or stress, or I'm not saying that you felt the same things, but, um, I definitely felt like I needed to better handle stuff around me because if I didn't, then I would just feel more stressed. So, um, I had a couple years of actually like listening to podcasts and reading books about systems. And I'm wondering if there's any particular sources of inspiration for for you, or did it just all come about through uh, self-reflection basically? So the big thing for me um, was I started reading this year and 
in terms of like diving back into that, I think when I was younger, it was something that I loved doing, but uh, with high school and, and college for a year and everything on top of that, it just kind of fell by the wayside. And so at the start of this year, I read this uh, really inspirational book, um, almost like a memoir or a set of um, maybe you'd say platitudes or advice. Um, this book called Introspect by an author, a Singaporean author that I really respect. And um, I think it really helped me um, channel some of my energy into things that uh, needed, needed to be uh, accomplished. And uh, a lot of that was, was just due to me feeling a little lost, um, you know, coming back to where I was at the start of this year, um, I had just left college and I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And so mm -hmm. I think staying grounded by uh, searching for uh, some people with thoughts that I respected was super helpful and starting to read again was the first step for that. Can you give me a little bit of a summary for that book, uh, Introspect? Because I've not mm -hmm. had a chance to, to read it. Like, I, obviously, it sounds like it's something the author went through, but there's some applicable lessons for others, right? Yeah, I, I would say the central part of it is uh, the book covers kind of the, the journey um, in order to um, sort of fully unlock uh, some of the things holding you back, um, take advantage of your own ambition and uh, work through, um, I, I guess, a lot of shortcomings. And it, it's a lot of more actionable advice than what um, I was necessarily taking into account. And it it really just gives you a lot of tools to reflect. And so, yeah, the material itself was just this author's perspective on um, ways which he had managed his own stress and anxiety levels, ways in which he had managed... Um, being in really, really tough mental states. And for me, that was something that uh, really struck um, a chord somewhere and felt like, wow, I'm, I'm in the same difficult place and I, I really need something that will give me exercises to work on. And so it would give you actionable exercises to work on, almost like a self-help book of some kind. Um, mm -hmm. But I don't think I would describe it quite as that, but to mm -hmm. me, it, it did wonders for my mental health. And mm -hmm. I think it was kind of just the basis of uh, a set of tools that I needed to start doing uh, that internal work that um, could eventually turn into a lot of external benefits. So uh, I'm a little I'm reading a little bit between the lines here. So let me know if this is right. Um, can mm -hmm. I assume that your stress this year came from deciding to not pursue the academic track and leaving school? Yeah. Uh, I think that was probably the most major contributor for sure. I mean, that was a really tough decision. And I think I went really far against the grain in order to arrive at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I would have to imagine, like, I, I know we only talked for a little while and I know of your your work, but obviously, like, people who play high-level magic are fairly intelligent. <laughs> Maybe there's, like, exceptions, but, like, I'm sure that uh, you seem like a bright person, I'm sure that your friends and family have certain expectations of you, right? Because we live in a society, people have expectations yeah. of you. So it's kind of like, I would imagine a lot of it is like, Nathan, why are you um, off the the normal track or whatever it is, right? So maybe describe for me what that's been like. And if the stress is like from within or it's like a combination of within and also expectations. Yeah, well, 
I, I would say there's a lot of history behind where I ended up today. Um, and I'm also happy to dive in that direction from kind of post-COVID life and dealing with college as well. But um, the major points, I don't know if you want me to start there, um, but the major yeah, points... Yeah, absolutely. We, we go yeah. as deep as you want. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's start there. I think it's kind of an important backstory. Um, so I grew up in California, and um, when college came, I got into UC Santa Cruz, and I was really excited about that opportunity. But at the same time, COVID had just hit, and um, mm -hmm. I. Didn't By the way, what program to... did you apply to? Like, what 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 undergrad yeah. were you pursuing? Initially, I was pursuing an undergrad psych degree. Uh, although since then I've realized that that was not my interest. Um, but that, that was my initial thought. And so I was going in for a psych degree. And, um, okay. so in the fall of, of 2020, I made the decision to, um, take online classes. Um, and I moved in with my girlfriend in uh, Washington state who was going to school there. And so I was doing virtual classes in California while living in Washington. Um, but here was the real big issue. I, I didn't really have any financial support. And so if I wanted to make that decision, I needed to come up with a plan in order to do so. I, I had maybe three months, four months of rent covered at that point and not mm -hmm. much else. And so mm -hmm. my decision was, okay, like you play a lot of magic. You've gotten into magic online recently. Maybe you'll have to get a job, but let's spend the first month or two seeing how successful you could be in magic. And um, I, I believe the first major uh, finish or two was I, I did well. I, I got second in a Mana Traders event, uh, and that gave me a few thousand dollars. And, and once I, I got that win, it was like, okay, uh, that, that was October, and that pivotal moment was like, I've been here for a month. I have three months of expenses covered now, maybe, maybe. And <laughs> I, I don't want to look for a job right now. Let's see how far I can go down this. Um, and then in December, I would say the next um, really important moment was uh, meeting my best friend, um, Sam Rolf, who he was uh, sort of the first person that I, I clicked with in magic to the point of like, oh, this guy knows what he's doing. Like, he's on the level of, like, these top pros when I watched him play and talked to them about Magic. And so we this spent... Is Phil Hellmuth on MTG? Yes. Phil okay. Hellmuth on MTG. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and so he spent uh, a lot of his energy and time uh, talking to me, working on decks with me, and we basically became friends uh, immediately. And our results showed um, in the first half of 2021... I think we went on to dominate really hard in all the Magic Online challenges and events. And I think I experienced several level ups along the way um, that were really pivotal. But during the same period, I, I was still taking classes. I was pretty disengaged. And honestly, I just felt like a complete lack of passion and attachment given that I was uh, doing things online. And I didn't really know anyone who I was talking to. I was doing the bare minimum. And I was probably spending triple the amount of time playing magic that I was doing schoolwork, but I was scraping by and passing my classes somehow. Mm -hmm. And um, so I, I would say the next point was 
Um, in in uh, May, after a lot of success in the first half of the year playing online, um, I, I won what was then um, the the Mox qualifier, and this was a Mox Open where the winner goes straight to the Mox, which happens uh, once per season. There's two qualifications from that, and um, it was kind of a one one off event that. Um, was really pivotal for me, honestly. It was a really significant amount of prize money. It was probably the biggest tournament I'd ever had the opportunity to compete in. And mm-hmm. doing so was was like just a, a really, really cool experience, especially since it was the first mocks that they had had in the new system. Um, and so I do that event in, uh, in June, and I finished fourth place out of eight people, so it was quite happy with that though still a lot of room for improvement and uh, then it becomes near the end of the school year and this is august around august of 2021 and um so at that point i (laughs) i end up um deciding okay i'm gonna move back to santa cruz and try it for six months and i leave washington state because you were just so disengaged with like the online class basically right right? yeah they were like okay like you can come for this quarter um in person and see i mean basically they they advertised it like you were going to get the college experience which i wanted to see it would click with me um and at the same time i was continuing to perform really well in magic online uh i worked with a team and had really um good I, i would say a lot of good success um not necessarily in my uh results with the team, but just coordinating, making these connections and um, leveling up as a result. And this was now known as Team Handshake, I would say. Um, A really, really smart collective of players that I got to know um, during COVID. And and so I I made the second mocks of the year with my buddy Sam, which was a really awesome moment after they introduced uh, the mocks leaderboard, which is where the top two players of the season given the number of top eights they get, uh, will make the the mocks. And me and him were number one and two, which was a really cool moment that showcased. Oh, That's wow. That's so special because I, yeah. no, I had known, sorry to interrupt, but I had known that both of you had, had gotten there, but I didn't know that you two were such good friends. And like mm-hmm. that makes it extra meaningful for sure. Yeah. yeah. And so that that was really cool. It was like, whoa, we're, we're number one and two on this leaderboard. We've been working together and prepping decks together every week for six or eight months at this point, And we just showed that we can put up this consistency that other players aren't putting up right now. And so that, that was a really special moment. Um, and so now our timeline's like, I'm in September and October of 2021, 2021, excuse me. And I decide, uh, I'm going to try really hard for this mocks event. And at the same time, um, I'm really not engaged with school. I'm on campus and I've made some connections, but um, I would say most of my time was still spent thinking about magic. I felt like I was right there and I wanted, I wanted this more than anything. And, um, you know, magic had been the the one consistent thing in my life for the past 10 years, I would say in a lot of ways. Uh, I didn't go back that far in the future, but I would say, uh, given how, how I was feeling um, and how rough my first quarter was from um, August to the end of December, I, I felt like I was making a mistake by staying there. Um, 
I was still in a long distance relationship in Washington and I just made the second MOFs in a row. And then on, I would say a really strong gut instinct, um, despite what other people had told me, um, it, at the end of December, I decided I had had enough, uh, basically. So I, I was there in December and by in January, I went to visit my girlfriend in Washington and I clicked with a lot of uh, her friends there and, and made really quick connections. And uh, they, they asked me, um, her best friend who had an open space in their house asked me to move back to Washington. And so I kind of had to take a leap of faith. I, I decided, yeah. you know, this feels right. I've kind of gotten this far by like doing what feels right and, and being yeah. able to support myself. Um, you know, at times the margins for doing so were really thin and it stretched me really thin, like physically it was really exhausting, mentally really taxing. But I kind of felt at the beginning of this year, like really lost. And this felt like the thing that I should be doing, despite what people were telling me that was in my best interest. And um, I would say that that was a critical thing to identify. It was like, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I was 19 at the time. I'm, I'm 20. I need to go with my gut and I need to trust that I'll make the best decisions I can. And if it fails, then what's the worst that can happen? I'll, I'll figure it out. I've always figured it out. And yeah, that, that was the thing that I, I think I was reading this book that I mentioned introspect at the time in January and it really dawned on me like that, that this was the place to go to. I, I should be in Washington. I wanted to be close with my girlfriend and the people that I had a strong feeling would become a group of friends with me. And so that, that was a really pivotal point. And I, I think that's where things have re really took off for me at the start of this year. And, and that was kind of my COVID journey and exploration phase um, that launched me into certainly the most incredible, fulfilling year of my life this year. Thank, thank you for sharing that. And uh, I, I want to also ask about the, the school part. Like, so you had, you had studied basically the COVID era, like you, you had been studying, uh, trying to get a psych degree, right? That's what you were yeah. studying. Okay. So was it like the subject matter itself that was not interesting to you? Or was it like the subject matter plus the, the whole institution around it and like maybe the lack of connection, like, cause you, cause you kind of touched on a, a couple of things there. And I'm just wondering, like when you went, when you, when you moved to the campus, um, like what was happening? Was it just like not relating to the other students or to the faculty? Was it like the subject matter you kind of realized like it just was getting more and more uninteresting? Like what was it for you? I think it was a pretty strong mishmash of all of those ideas. A big one was, uh, I couldn't get into on-campus housing because of how the protocols were set up. And I applied very early to in-campus housing. Uh, mm -hmm. I didn't get in until after I'd signed a lease about four days before uh, we, we had to start packing our bags and moving in. And mm -hmm. so I lived off-campus uh, with a group. Uh, I lived with 12 other people in what was a co-op mm -hmm. space. And we each had our own rooms. And I didn't really connect super well um, with that setting and was far off campus. Um, and being a sophomore and not a freshman on campus was a pretty big thing because a lot of people had either already established how they wanted to spend their time or doing something or they had established friend groups. And so socially, I felt very disconnected. Um, and then when it came to the academics, I would say 
the subject matter I knew at that point was not right for me. Uh, at this point, I have a much stronger interest in uh, finance and business um, that I've been pursuing this year. And the other thing was, I think partially uh, I was doing a lot of general education requirements at the time, and they all felt to me like they lacked a lot of um, depth. I, I felt kind of disengaged, like I wanted to just put press a skip button and move to something more interesting. <laughs> or maybe listen to yeah. it at 2x or something. Yeah, exactly. And so that whole combination of things on top of feeling like I wasn't in the right place for where I wanted to be uh, with my relationship and with magic. Uh, magic was a huge factor, um, pushed me to, to make that change. I think beyond like the, the, the things that were going on um, directly related to like why the experience felt so disconnected, I think it's really difficult to focus your energy fully on both categories of school and magic because they're both very all-consuming things when you're talking about competing at the highest level of something like magic. And I think uh, the, the stress on top of everything going on was really a lot for me to manage in regard to, um, I, I knew what I wanted to do, I think for a little while, I just didn't really have it in me at a certain point to uh, push out the, the thoughts from others, um, or I guess the projections of how I should spend my time in regard to magic um, versus school. And so I think once I became a little more comfortable with myself and embracing that decision, that was the most helpful. Otherwise, I could have easily seen myself had, having made that decision six months earlier. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to just come out and say I'm pretty supportive of what you, not that you need my support, but just thinking out loud, right? Um, you have a chance right now to, well, first of all, you, I think what you said I totally agree with is that it's very hard to half-ass two things. Like you got to go all in on something if you're really passionate about it. And right now it feels like the time to uh, quote unquote, take a shot at magic or continue doing what you're doing and play at a high level. And magic is not necessarily something that will always be there. I know people like to say like, it's always be there, but it's like when you work yourself to a certain mindset in terms of a game, like it's, it's like when you're at your peak or near your peak, which I assume is the case, um, mm -hmm. I, I think you want to make that run because I think college or other pursuits will always be there, especially when you're not as passionate about it. So, um, yeah, that's kind of like a really long way to say, I, I, I can, I can start to relate to what you're going through. Cause like a lot of people, they, their heart tells them that something is correct, but then there's the the rational part of their brain attempts to say like, no, you need to just go get a job, go to school, um, do the safe thing. And it sounds like you have a once in a lifetime opportunity to do something for magic or continue to do something for magic. And why not take that chance? Right? Cause you can always go back to school, uh, a few years later and being a, even being like a 30 year old freshman is not, is not terrible if that's what you want to do. Right? Yeah. I, I think, I, I totally agree with that perspective. And at the same time, being in the middle of it and being like, wow, I'm like letting go. Yeah, yeah, it's easy for me to people. say, cause I'm like, I'm just like, yeah, that's Nathan's life, right? But when you're living it, it's much harder. I get you, yeah. Yeah, but, but after, you know, making this decision, not to be results oriented, we try to avoid that, but I, I think it was for the best and um, put me in my best position to succeed. Um, not only on, 
on the financial front where I feel like magic has, has been really supportive to living a lifestyle that I want to live, but also just in like my men- in terms of my mental health and kind of taking control of things I want to do. This year has been filled with lots of opportunities that I think magic bolstered. Yeah. I also think leaps of faith are, are good, right? Like, um, so just, just so you know, like, um, I moved from Canada to, to China to be with my now wife. And it's like, mm-hmm. I moved literally across the world, uh, and had a new, started a job here and, and things like that. And at the time, like everybody, including myself thought I was crazy. So it's just like, sometimes things work out. I mean, it, and they don't work out. I think, I think it's kind of like what you said, like, what's the worst that could happen, right? The worst that could happen right. is if, if you can imagine the worst and it's not that bad, then you can do it basically. Yeah. I think they call it, um, negative visualization. Like I didn't even know this term until later on, but, um, like for my career and for my life, I've always kind of operated by that principle. So, um, good on you. That's, that's all I'm trying to say. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about this year then. I mean, uh, I will definitely get into the coaching stuff as well, but like, um, just your own personal progress as a magic player. Like, how did you feel like you, cause 2021 was like you significant level ups and growing as a player. Did you do more of that growth? Did you have more of the growth in this year as well? Yeah. I mean, as a player, I, it's a little hard because looking back on it, like, I'm like, okay, every quarter of this year, I won a pretty sizable tournament and that on its own once a year would have been a huge lifetime accomplishment for me. And so trying to recollect, you know, where things went right and where that turning point came, um, I, I think had a lot to do with uh, shifting my priorities, uh, first of all, towards focusing, like we've kind of talked about. Um, But also, I spent a lot less time playing Magic this year, which sounds weird, but I've played a lot less Magic this year than in years past. I've spent a lot more time thinking about Magic, um, doing like theoretical exercises, and finding ways to improve from my losses in Magic. And so one skill that I think I've gotten to a very strong point that is uh, after watching a game, I can almost certainly identify what the two or three decisions or turns are from both sides that caused a player to lose. And uh, there, there's almost a sense of foresight that comes when you get to that point where when you're in the moment, I feel like I have the clarity of, well, this could be a turning point in the game now that I've played so many games. And it's, it's kind of like a superpower that unlocked in terms of my board analysis understanding that I think came in part due to um, being less stressed, but also I don't really play mindless games of magic anymore, which is a big thing that I think I did in the past and that a lot of players suffer from. I just try to operate very intentionally um, through all of my important decisions. And uh, I think I've gotten a lot better at the aspect of crafting game plans in magic. And so those factors on top of feeling like uh, I was around people like who cared about me and I could spend my energy prioritizing um, doing what I like to do and chatting about magic. Um, felt like it was the, the most significant part of the level up process. Um, yeah, I, I really think putting a focus on learning from your mistakes in magic and in other aspects of my life um, has helped me see that like there's a lot you can do outside of playing the game that can help you improve. And I think, yeah, I fully took that in this year with a lot of other healthy habits that have changed for me. Um, 
So that, that's been really important. Is that just from your friends and teammates who you, you see that they're also being more intentional with magic? Like how did that realization or that change in how you approach the game come about? I think I was frustrated actually, um, in the first two pro tours of, of last season or, or mythic, whatever, uh, set championships that they had. <laughs> um, I was a little frustrated with my testing process and prep. And I felt like I spent a lot of energy, maybe focusing on things that weren't as important. And then I, I tried to organize, um, once I was out of my situation in December, um, going into the, the two events, uh, in the first half of the year that would lead to the world's qualification. I tried to organize myself, um, uh, and, and I would say, yes, my teammates helped me a lot with that. Um, but I think a big thing on top of the, that help from teammates was I focused a lot more on being process oriented rather than trying to achieve a certain win or loss. And I don't think I fully took in when I was winning tournaments that that was coming as a result of that. But, but I would say they're probably very strongly correlated. Like, I never went into a tournament thinking, oh, I'm going to win this tournament. I always went in like, I'm going to try my best and perform well. And if I lose games, I need to figure out why I lose games. And when I make a play, I need to justify why I'm making that play. I need to have a reason. Even if it's a bad reason, you have to be able to look back and say, this was the reason I did this thing. And so setting those guidelines, almost internal requirements for myself, uh, gave me a very strong baseline into... Um, I mean, how it, it basically um, gives you a limitless cap into how you can op optimize your magic technical play. And um, I think I really embrace some aspects of it. So it's really like you felt something was lacking, like after the set championships and you wanted to, I think it's pretty common, right? I mean, just human, human nature. It's like, if you, if you don't do as well as you like in something, you need to like, go back to the drawing board. So it sounds like that's what happened for you. Right. Totally. I mean, yeah. I spent a lot of time, you know, playing magic online in the past two years, like we've talked about, and that was kind of my training grounds. And then I, I performed super well in that environment where I know it well, but shifting that over to arena and worlds and all the, the things feeding worlds um, also has been, you know, a really big change because it's very different. I'm still adjusting because it's very different to how I think about magic. I, I like thinking with, you know, less, uh, less time controls in terms of if I need to take four minutes on a turn or five minutes on a turn to think through a decision, I will. And, and so adjusting to that also took a lot of energy and I don't think I fully recognized how much that was impacting my, uh, my results as well or the process of getting there. <laughs> I think it's like a pretty, uh, if I may say like a pretty common trajectory is like people that have success at, at the sub I'll, I'll call it the sub set championships, sub MC, sub PT level. They are basically able to just do well by grinding and just by using certain heuristics and like it, it sort of caps at a certain level and then to actually transcend that. And to actually become like, get to the next level, you actually have to like, almost like destroy these mental sacred cows or like these habits. And because like, you'll have people that are just like absolutely crushing 
Magic Online, winning every challenge or whatever, right? And like five owing leagues, like, you know, 10 times in a row. But then there were never, it never translates to something beyond that. And it's like, it's because they're so comfortable with the habits that they have. I'm not saying it's bad because maybe they're making a good living or they're very happy doing what they're doing, right? Um, I, I'm not going to name any names, but there's certain like very, some very notable Magic Online players that are like that. But then how do you trans get to the next level? It's like, you kind of have to take a step back before you can take two steps forward, right? I think that's a very common trajectory that I see. Totally. And on top of that, like being able to ask yourself really insightful questions is, is another significant level up in the same department. Like when you get to a certain point, you're no longer trying to make the best play on the board every turn. You have to be able to ask yourself a question. Like if this happens, uh, if my opponent makes their best play next turn, and I make this follow-up, then what happens? And that's maybe two levels where, as, you know, really high-level grinders, we'll, we'll go one, la one layer past that. And being able to ask yourself these questions is something that, you know, I've spent a lot of time training for myself, also helping others work through that. Like, when you're in-game, you don't know what's important. Understanding how to ask yourself a question to figure out what to prioritize is something that I, I would say I pride myself in adjusting to and, and improving at. Um, that's super yeah. important. Those are the qualities that would make you an excellent coach because like you had said, you need to be able to have a rationale for like, what, what's every, every play that I make? Like, can I justify it? Uh, maybe in the moment, but also like in retrospect, right? Um, <laughs> no pun intended, I guess it's retrospect, uh, introspect. Uh, but like, how do you work with players? Because I assume that like people who come to you for coaching requests, they're at different skill levels. So it's like, what's a good way for you as a coach to assess like where they're at and how to apply the red? Cause they might not be there, right? They might just yeah. be like me. I'm just like trying to five O a league or something. Like, how do you, how do you customize like that experience for your, your mentees, so to speak? Yeah, well, that's a really good question. I mean, the first major thing, and I think it is like what, what I felt I've done a pretty good job at um, is you need to, ask a lot of questions in the first session and hear their thoughts directly. So I almost always will put my uh, first time clients in a situation where they have to look at a game and explain to me what's going on in the game in their eyes. And I try to make it like a very welcoming place for them to say like, I don't know what's going on right now. This doesn't make sense to me. Um, but I, I try to, for one, um, help them identify specific ways of thinking that, they might be dismissing. And so there's a few layers to it, right? Like once you get up to a certain point in magic, like I think maybe I can arguably be even a better coach where I'm trying to help someone with long-term game plans. I'm trying to help them with these uh, more theoretical, uh, more abstract aspects of magic that I've worked on myself. And then when it comes to staying grounded and, and looking at the, the smaller things, the technical mistakes people are making, um, having that recognition that there are ways of learning from your losses that I can help share with people is how I help people improve outside of their sessions. So going into a session, I put a lot of focus on um, these systems that people can approach and use. I have good exercises that I've worked on, whether it's trying to understand what the opponent's doing, um, trying to improve your mulganing and sideboard practices, or literally just when you're in a, in a game like we've talked about, what should you be thinking about? Um, those are the, the main things that I would say I try to help people with. And the first step in that is 
you need to get a sense of where they're at. And they'll tell you where they're at. Usually it's honestly, most of the case, it's a little higher or a lot lower than they actually are. Some people are, are mm. very humble. Other people are like, oh, I, I think I'm, I'm pretty good. Because, I mean, I've been there. I'm like, okay, I think I'm quite a good player. And I watch them play. And I'm like, okay, these things need some yeah. adjustment for sure. <laughs> that, that's the thing about Magic players in general, right? We all have that kind of irrational confidence or, or confidence. So, yeah. But overconfidence is, uh, is dangerous, right? You over-evaluate yourself. And then you end up, uh, what's the saying? Like, not just misplays, but just like you misevaluate um, uh, the situation, whatever the situation is, right? It's, it sometimes it's not even in game. It's it's just like there's a yeah, there's a lot of things you can you can misevaluate, and that has a kind of a cascading effect, right? Like even totally. even things like if I ask if I ask Nathan to be my coach, like what should I what should I approach him with? Like I, I assume like there's also a little bit of like expectation setting in terms of like sometimes you have to give people the hard truth right and and sometimes it's also hard for people to take that feedback right right first steps are, are really just if you're going to come to me we need to set goals even if it sounds you know kind of tedious to go through this process with your coach and i'm happy to have you try to establish those goals outside of our session time so we can have a full session of interacting but that's step one i need to know what you're looking to get out of this and then i need to know your experience and I need to hear you thinking about magic. And so I'll have, you know, I have 15 different questions that uh, are just floating around in my head. Like here are things that I need to do checks on and think about. And and sometimes you get a player and you're like, okay, like we can skip these steps. Like I see where you're at, but it, it's really trial and error in how you approach these things. And it's like really not like a, a one size fits all approach as well. I've had very good experiences trying different methods, but it it takes um it takes some time because uh i mean yeah understanding how other people think about magic is kind of one of the things i try to focus on when i'm playing against people and so doing right. the same when you're trying to help people can be um similarly like you know a challenge but really rewarding when when it clicks how how do you evaluate yourself as a as a coach like versus a year ago because you had mentioned that you've been doing it for a while and I think there's probably some qualifiable, if that's a word, like you can qualify that you're getting better, but how do you, how do you know that you're getting better as a coach? Like, are there certain, um, heuristics that you apply to yourself? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, for one, at the end of, of a session, um, when you feel like you've made, uh, given your, your coach or your client rather, um, really tangible goals that they can. Uh, work on that. That's step one. I, I try to make sure that I, I don't think I was doing this fully at first, but I really try to give um, feedback that's actionable to help people improve on their own time. And uh, so th that's the big thing I think I've gotten a lot better at when you're in a session, it can feel like, oh, like maybe I, I wasted this person's time or, or vice versa from, from either side. That's a feeling that could definitely arise and that has happened for sure. Um, so goal number one is making sure it feels uh, worthwhile because you're giving them tangible work and you're helping them to bounce ideas around. Step two is you have to be willing to help them identify weaknesses. And this is a big thing. Like I, I really focus on trying to let them improve from their, their losses and their wins and looking back at games. And so 
bringing them down that same trajectory is something that I think it's almost universally applicable for magic. I, I don't think anyone does it quite enough. And I would say my highlight um, from doing that is feeling like, you know, when, when it clicks um, from, from both sides and I see this aha moment from this person when they recognize that this exercise uh, is doing wonders and they can repeat it, that's when I'm like, okay, I've succeeded as a coach. And yeah, I mean, that's the last thing. Like I, I have a set of exercises before it was really just, well, what can I do to help this person in my own head? Now it's like, I have ways of addressing problems that I can use for different situations as I see fit. And I think that these things can be iterated on and improved on. And so when I'm doing coaching sessions and I realize, oh, this thing didn't really work, I'm really trying to adjust um, the, the method that I share advice with. Um, the main thing being that I think I do a good job at is, um, I think I, I do, I succeed at um, teaching people how to yeah, read what the opponent is doing and why they're making plays and basically just gathering information. Information gathering is something that uh, is very practicable. And so I, I focus a lot of energy on that. Right. Even, even small things, right? Like, why did they tap their mana that way? Or like, what are they representing? Uh, I mean, this is all basic stuff, but, but uh, yeah. sometimes players need to have that reinforcement. Or maybe like you said, uh, the, the, a big thing in magic is to know what to focus on. So it's like at any certain point you could focus on like a million things, but what are the things that actually, uh, matter what right matters. now, right? Yeah. What matters. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, that, that contextually changes too, like from turn to turn or from like play to play. So it, it's, it's very, um, it's very cerebral. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned like having a superpower, which is like, you know, uh, like the two or three moments, pivotal moments in a game that make or break the game or the match or whatever it is. Right. So how do you develop, how did you develop that? Is it, is it like intuition? Is it practice? Like, what is it? Good question. I mean, I would say that is just a lot of studying and mostly for me, that's like looking back at a game and trying to say like, okay, if I go turn by turn and I see what both players were thinking, what, what was going on? And so that, that was just a lot of my training, like looking at, at, at games and trying to understand what was going on. I, I think I particularly excelled at that um, skill and I, I treat it as like something that is one of my uh, best strengths because I, I've just spent so much time looking at board states and trying to figure out why this thing would matter I, I don't really have too much in the way of like, well, th this one thing brought me to having this, this skill. It was just a, where I put my energy into was improving at this one thing. And I found a lot of ways of doing so when I started looking back at my games and when I started to try to look at other pro players games and, and figure out if I would do something similar or why they did something different. Um, and that's where the studying of magic versus the playing of magic kind of di diverges. It would be like, yeah, I mean, I mean, there's just so many moments where you, you'd rather be playing a game, but you're way better off served trying to learn from others' games or your own games if you develop good um, studying habits. Okay, this is not meant to be asking you for a hot take, but I'm going to go ahead and try. Like, 
what's your what's your feeling about nature versus nurture when it comes to magic players are magic players just mostly born magic players and have and just do like small refinements or can someone like just be born like without having a good affinity for magic and just through hard work just become like the next nathan Stoyer or jerry thompson or whoever i mean unfortunately there's probably a cap that's i don't know if it's correlated with I mean, I don't know, it feels bad to say, like, there's probably some, like, intelligence-correlated cap in magic that, like, comes at, at the cost of, like, you know, in, in order to, to think in these certain ways, you have to develop these pattern recognition-type um, approaches, and so not everyone's brain is going to work in that way. Um, but I think for the mid-level grinders that want to level up, there's so much potential, and the best players have such a... a such a small understanding compared to what's possible that I think almost anyone uh, who falls into that category can can get to the top of the game or, or reach it. Um, I mean, you know, I, I spent years and years uh, when I was younger, you know, 14 through 17 at this lower level uh, in Magic where I was still grinding and trying to get better in uh, PTQs and Grand Prix type events. But... For me, uh, I, f I feel like this nature versus nurture thing all comes down to like, um, I mean, th there's a lot of, of potential in Magic, and even the best players in the game have so much that they need to do. There's a lot of points in Magic where I'm like, whoa, like, I actually have no idea without spending like an insane amount of time thinking about this, what to do. I don't have time to do that. I have to settle for a different play. And so... I recognize that, that there's such an unbounded potential in magic, and I think that most people uh, are not even close to their cap. Yeah. Do you think magic is a young person's game? Because it seems like to actually, or I guess the assumption being, if you want to be the best that you can be in a competitive sense, you have to dedicate your time and effectively be all in on it in many respects, right? Because we see a lot of like, Hall of Famers who are now have regular jobs and they come back and play. And it's, it's like, there's a lot of like what you get out of it is what you put into it. So um, what are your thoughts on that? Is it just a young person's game? Like you just basically have to have a point in your life where you're just dedicating yourself wholly to the craft to, or, or what is it? I mean, the magic landscape changes so frequently in terms of what's important and what to prioritize, not just like in how you play, but like in the options that you have and there's so many new interactions that are developed as part of what keeps magic fresh and interesting to me and i'm sure a lot of others and so i think well yes being young and devoted to magic and having a really fresh brain that that's used to these ideas is probably the place where you're, you're going to maximize your capacity um similar to what you said i think when you get older um and if you have experience playing magic, there, there's a lot of ways of, of diving back into it that you're going to be successful at. Um, I mean, even with these hall of famers, I think their repertoire in magic when they were younger is incredible. Um, but th they're not putting in the same level of, of studying and they don't care enough. And so they've plateaued. That's a big thing that I think I've, I've always kept in mind where like you can definitely plateau at any level and you can even, get worse and magic very easily. And so, yeah, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> it's a long winded <laughs> way of saying, I, I don't know. 
Well, I mean, it's probably a flawed question anyway. But um, <laughs> so, but speaking of caring, like caring about magic, right? Um, what's your relationship with magic now? Because you kind of touched on in the beginning being like, it's a profession, you treat it pretty seriously, you're a coach, you're a player, uh, you're a world champion now. Uh, so like, what? Yeah, what's your relationship with, uh, without overcomplicating, what's your relationship with the game? How would you describe that? I would say magic is a job and sometimes a hobby, depending on who I'm playing it with and who I'm thinking about it with. But it is where a lot of my friends and I converge. And it's where it's a place where I care about a lot of what's going on. And I think that magic will always have a place for me. But as I've gotten this incredible accomplishment and um, I'm feeling like I'm moving in this direction of mentoring other people in magic, I realized that there's a lot of opportunities for me to explore outside of magic that I can do. And so that's a big thing that I'm focusing my energy on now, um, which is how can I keep progressing myself and my well-being and prioritize things that I think are important in the long run. Do you think that magic encroaches on your sense of well-being in the when it comes to like any sort of negative effects? I think that being fully devoted to magic can lead to a lot of unhealthy attributes in your lifestyle. And so a lot of the top players in magic will inevitably have their focus placed in a few big events, and that's perfectly acceptable. But uh, the level that I approach magic requires a lot of uh, you know, depth in terms of time to grind these tournaments, devotion to learning every single strategy in, in the game and interactions and, and trying to at least have an understanding of how to utilize them. And I would say my brain isn't really wired in a way where I could take that slight step back so effectively. And so it kind of has to be like, I'm going to take a step back. I'm going to continue playing tournaments that I want to play. And I'll play these high level pro tours and, and world championships that I really want to do. And I'll travel to hang out with my friends and enjoy the experiences. Um, but I have other things that I'd like to accomplish and, and that feels good. So it sounds like you are a magic player, but you don't want to be defined as I just do magic. Yeah. I think that's a really good way of putting it. Is it, um, I, I guess the devil's advocate argument is like, there are people who myself included, who are twice your age and have, will never reach the heights that you have reached. So it's like. I guess in, in some sense, maybe it's, maybe it's part of being young. I, mean, I hate to overgeneralize, but it's like, you don't want to be pigeonholed. Right. But there's also something nice about it as you get older, which is like, you know, sometimes just being known for one or two things is actually quite significant. And some people never reach that, that mountain. So I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if you think about that, cause you seem like someone who does think about like the flip side of things. So it's like, has that ever crossed your mind? Yeah. I mean. I think I'm pretty I guess then we're talking about the ego mm -hmm. part of magic too, in, in some ways, right? So. Yeah, well, not delving into that category so significantly, I would say, I think of my relationship and my, you know, myself in magic as just like, I, you know, th this is something that I, I've always dreamed of being at the highest ranks of. It's something that I love representing and I will continue to, to feel that way for the foreseeable future. And 
there, there's so many aspects to magic that I want to explore and whether that continues to be just being a high level tournament grinder versus approaching it in other ways that let me manage my time differently. I think it is something that will continue being a presence in my life and hopefully something that I continue feeling um, fulfilled from. And I think the recognition has also been really nice. It's just like a, I'm not so, I would consider myself pretty humble in, in certain respects, but like playing magic certainly feels like, wow, like I have this recognition from doing well in tournaments and that is really inspiring to keep going on, but I no longer feel like that's a central motivator for me. I feel like I'm yeah. just going to use that yeah. platform to explore these other ideas that have been floating in my head. Yeah, yeah. Magic on your own terms. That's definitely the healthiest <laughs> from the hundreds of people I've spoken to and uh, thinking about my own situation. Um, I'm guessing coaching can also be like generalizable to other disciplines, right? Because like these mm -hmm. are, it seems like a, it feels like a very transferable skill to me, like hearing how you describe it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've also had a lot of experience getting coached in, in recent times. I, um, I hired a personal trainer to help me with fitness a few months ago, and, and that's been a really inspiring and good experience for my physical health and also just feeling like, okay, like I understand when I'm talking to this guy, like what coaching techniques he's using that are clicking with me and some that aren't, and I can give good feedback as I'm a coach as well. I understand how like related these things are. I'm seeking a writing coach to help me with, um, you know, some of the, the struggles I've had getting my ideas out there. And I feel yeah. like going into that process, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good with the idea that I know what type of feedback I need because I've, I've given feedback for other areas of expertise. And I believe that there's a lot of helpful heuristics from coaching that transfer. Yeah. When it comes to writing, do you also have goals in mind when you're looking for a coach or maybe just even working on the craft yourself? Yeah. Good question for me. I think it's really important. I mean, I think I'm trying to put less weight on this idea, but the people who I've been most interested in receiving writing coaching from are people whose ideas and written work I respect a lot. And it's, I'm sure, similar in a lot of respects. You know, you respect a trainer who has some accolades and who can back mm -hmm. up their work. And you respect, you know, a magic player who can share their yeah, ideas. Yeah, I want to get coaching also. from the world yeah. champion. Or Yeah, 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 yeah. But the same thing applies to me where... I don't care how popular this guy is. If, if I feel like this person's writing and their sense of style clicks with me, that's, that's my goal going in to, to have that idea be shared with me and, and to build that connection. Are you looking for any kinds of tangible output? Like maybe, uh, Nathan writes a book or, uh, mm -hmm. you want to have a, like a weekly habit. I know you've recently asked people online about just mm -hmm. people's thoughts, but like, what are your thoughts about it right now? So the end goal, and I have no timeline set for it, but at some point in my life, I'm really interested in, in writing a book, uh, a nonfiction book, kind of exploring my own interests and curiosities and, and sort of dealing with like um, managing, um, you know, school and being pulled in different directions. And I, I don't know, the topic will kind of come and click at a certain time, I'm sure. Um, but in the short term, I think for me, it's just producing output and, and putting it out there that I'm trying to focus on. And so I have a lot of writing and I've spent a lot of time doing writing and the ideas are a little intimidating to share and they feel unpolished and they feel 
like I could write this if it were just for myself, just fine, but I'm writing for an audience. And so it's not fully my voice and I have to get that under control. But that that's, you know, kind of the big thing with a lot of these ideas. It's like, I think I just need someone or something to, to be like, here's how you manage these feelings in some ways that have worked for me. Why don't you try it and see what works for you? So that, that's yeah. kind of the, the stage I'm floating around at. And um, hopefully that clicks. I mean, if I could do an hour writing, someone suggested yesterday a day, which sounds pretty reasonable to me. Um, I think I'd feel very fulfilled. And then if I could release something maybe for now, once a month, I think that would feel like a very doable goal that I could commit to. Um, for me, it's really about just creating these practices that I am yeah. acting on and that are, you know, maybe I, I say like, you know, if I don't, put out something once a month, here's some self-inflicted punishment of some kind that, uh, or, or some reward for doing so, some incentive, basically. So I'm, I'm just thinking mm -hmm. of creative ways of keeping myself accountable, basically. I think the one of the ways that I've experimented with, which works really well, is just like, tell a friend that you're doing it. And then that's a way of accountable. I'm not saying like, blast it into public. But like, if you just tell a friend, like, um, you know, here's five bucks, like return it to me. Uh, if I do this, otherwise keep it like even like small psychological things like that, they, they help a lot. Like just, just telling somebody that you trust, like, okay, I, I I'm going to try to do this every month or every week, uh, hold me accountable, or I'm going to quit like this unhealthy habit. Just, I'm telling you about it. Hold me accountable. Like, uh, it really works like that, that psych psychological <laughs> social thing just somehow is, is magical. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I have seen systems like that before, and I think that would be a good idea. Really good idea. Yeah. And uh, now that you've had um, the whole year, and it's been a, a little bit, of, there's been a little bit of time, like a little bit of distance between like now and winning uh, the world champs. Um, how are you feeling about everything, like about being the world champion and all that? I, I'm sure it feels different from like the very moment you won the tournament. So how, like now you have a little bit of time to look back on it. Like, how do you feel about it? I think I feel okay. It's it's so complicated because it's such like a mixed feeling, and and there's so much going on internally. But looking back at it, I think I feel like this one sense of relief, which sounds crazy. Um, like you know, this is something that I would have fought to try to succeed at for the rest of my life, and now I can I can move in some directions that are are best suited for me. And then some sense of like, um. You know, I, I really found my purpose in, in um, trying to meet this accomplishment and I got there and that gives me this sense of like anything that I set my mind to and focus my energy on, uh, I'm capable of putting my best effort and trying to make happen. And um, I think that's really strong because for me, it hasn't always felt that way. Like I kind of shared earlier in our podcast with like, you know, tr struggling with this transition and I think it's really reaffirming to feel like I have this ability to execute on the things that I set my mind to, and I have to create situations where I can succeed. And, um, you know, the event itself is still very blurry for me, even though it was a little over a month ago. Um, it's kind of a surreal, kind of cerebral experience almost where I'm like trying to remember and I remember bits and pieces of interactions and, and things going on. But it's one of the first times I've played Magic and I felt like I don't really know like what happened in my games looking back at it a month ago. Like maybe if I tried really hard, 
but I think there was some sixth sense that really kicked into gear during this tournament that um, mm-hmm. wasn't present previously. And um, I mean, it worked out, but uh, it was a very different experience. And I guess the last thing is like holding this title is super significant for me. And, you know, I have a year where I'm the world champion and that feels to me like one of the biggest wins I can get. I mean, I have, I'm going to give you on a magic card. And it's like the physical accomplishments of, of these things are something that I'll be able to remember for forever. And, and that's super significant. And um, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's really emotional for me. Yeah. So the blurry part, like where you just, you just felt like you were in the zone, like where you just like in the flow state or something like the whole tournament. Yes. I, I think that is exactly how I felt. I was just in this flow state. Um, I, I think the exact thing I said to a friend was uh, when I was in the finals, I I think I dissociated it at multiple points and I couldn't see anything around me. You know, there was so much stress and anxiety going on in my body. The only thing I could feel was just like, I, I have the screen in front of me. Like I need to like lock in on this. This is like my whole world. And so my brain <laughs> and everything just kind of converged and was pointing in this one direction. And yeah. that experience felt, um, like it really helped me and, and made sure that I could um, mm-hmm. give give my full energy. And also it, it's just not a state that you can get into easily. So, mm-hmm. so that was mm-hmm. a really interesting experience. Yeah. I think the great thing about all accomplishments that we're proud of, which this one definitely is for you, is that it might not be so easy to to just pull it out again to like replicate the flow state, but just having that sort of, it's almost like your body, whether it's like mentally or even physically has gone through it. So it's like, that gives you a lot of confidence in the future, no matter what you do, even when you're not playing magic, when you're just like dealing with like a very high stakes situation, whatever it is like life or career, it's like, you can always fall back on that or like lean back on like, I had some muscle memory of the time that I was able to like be the master of myself. And I think that that makes all the difference. So it's not so much like, oh, you know, can I win worlds every year? Obviously that's very difficult or impossible, but it's like, or can I win every magic tournament? But it's like just having that experience just means like a ton, right? Totally. hundred percent. Yeah. Nathan, man, it was, uh, it was great talking to you and, uh, What's the best place for people to um, to reach out to you or to find you where you would like to be found on the internet? Um, first of all, thank you so much for hosting me. Um, in regards to like our conversation here, I really felt like you asked amazing questions and that were super insightful. And this was a really, really sweet interview for me to be a part of. Um, so thank you for that. Um, if you want to find You're me, very welcome. It's, media. it's easy because, because it's you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, and that takes a lot of work. I mean, to, to set yourself up and ask podcast, podcast questions like this, um, that was really meaningful to me. So thank you. Um, the, the best places to find me are on Twitter at Nathan Stoyer one is my Twitter handle. And if you would like to book a coaching session with me, you can either check my bio and Twitter, or you can find me at metafi.com slash Nathan Stoyer one as well. So those are the two main places to find me. Um, and feel free to reach out. Nathan, it's, it's a pleasure. I, I definitely a, a huge pleasure, huge privilege having a chance to talk to you. 
definitely the youngest world champion I've ever talked to. Uh, I feel like you've got a lot of uh, amazing stuff in front of you that that are going to happen for you in the future. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Thank you so much, James. I really appreciate it.